All right, we're here with Jody Broy. Am I rolling my R right? It's it's totally fine. <laughs> and you are the um, author of the book of FMX. Is that I would you... say yes. It's um, it's still in the making. Uh, it's a huge project which I started earlier this year in January. Um, but yeah, once it's finished, finished, I'm going to be the author of it, so to say. Well, you're still authoring it right now at the at the moment, and um, we are friends. The reason I even know originally, you reached out to me just to be able to use some of the audio and sound bites from um, some of my old podcasts uh, interviews that I had with people, uh, and then you. I guess we started following each other. We're friends on Facebook. So then, since then, you've been putting up a ton of. Uh, random old pictures that a lot of us, you know, freestyle motocross people that are super, super deep have never even seen. So what is your, what's your tie to freestyle motocross? What made you want to uh, do this? Did you ride motocross or freestyle motocross as a kid? I, I really hate to say it, but I never sat on a dirt bike before. Like I was... I, I never rode a dirt bike in in my life, um, but I'm but I'm a very big fan of the sport, and it's a very simple story actually. It's nothing spectacular. Um, it was just me getting my first video game for the PlayStation Two ever as a kid. Um, it was the MX two thousand and two featuring Ricky Carmichael game. Okay. And this this was my personal entrance to the sport. So. I, I saw the, the video parts uh, in the intro and, mm. and the little snippets that you could um, unlock by s some small challenges in the game. And it was actually video parts from the Moto Triple X series. And this, this got me interested in the sport. So I was randomly looking for other media such as magazines. And this led me to a random store in the city that had the German Moto X magazine, um, which was founded in 1998 and went on until 2015. It was a monthly magazine and they had a huge amount of freestyle in it. And once I saw that, I got hooked to it so much that I basically bought it every month. I was waiting after school until it, it, it's been released to the stores. And I would go straight from school to the stores, buy the magazine and then read in and out, like every day until the next one came out. I started to to draw images from the writers. I started to draw, you know, the Flash Gear logo in, in my school books and everything. So I was very into the sport because of its aesthetics, because of the the action to it. And since then, I'm I, I was, you know, regularly following the sport. But to my surprise, even, I never made it to any major contest like the X Games uh, in person. So I always had to follow the scene through the magazines, through like video games, through uh, YouTube videos, television uh, broadcasts, and so on. So so this is my personal connection to the sport. Um, that I mean, that's how when it all began, that's any of us were just waiting between magazines and uh, videos to come out or the TV, you know, that to finally air the race and for i guess actually the first freestyle contest was on tv 
But um, I'm sure it wasn't live, obviously. You probably had to wait for that one, you know, months as well. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize Moto X was a German magazine, to be quite honest with you. <clears throat> but um, Yeah, it is. And um, um, it, it took me quite a while to, to find a source where I could get every single issue because uh, this magazine is one of the cornerstones for the research work because it told the stories from basically every continent where freestyle motocross became a thing. So um, it was not as detailed as some freestyle dedicated magazines from, from the States, like Wide Open or the, the classic MX Machine magazines. Right. But, but thanks to legendary photographer Frank Hoppen, um, he was very deep, deeply connected in the scene and he basically shot almost every, every early contest, the X Games and, and the Do Tour and um, also made private stories, free ride sessions, everything. So this served as a as one of the greatest sources of information for me. Um, yeah, that's great. And um, I Germany is actually really into freestyle, and there's a bunch of people. I don't know a bunch, but there are a handful of people like yourself that are kind of historians. Because I've even been contacted by people in Germany and sent them like number plates and stuff with my graphics on it. So that's oh, really awesome. Yeah. So that's funny that there's actually it seems like um, they're pretty into it in Germany. Who is there even a German? Is Busty Walter is he a German rider? Yes, um, he he was he was actually one of the the founding parts of the sport um, together with uh, Fabian Bauersachs uh, and Mark Fischer. They they formed the first freestyle team in Germany. Um, I think it was 2000 or 2001. Yeah, I know Busty was um, around right in the beginning there when I started. So you actually made made some connections early on. Um, awesome. Well, I'm just saying I know that I remember his name from when I even when I started, which was pretty early, like you said, 2000, 2001. Busty was probably one of the first European people that I even heard of. Uh, yep. because yep. it was Absolutely. basically all just centered around U.S. guys. And like I said, he was like the first international dude that you were like, oh, man, he's ripping. Yep. Uh, the only only country I know <clears throat> is uh, France, uh, next to Germany. Like, uh, you know, people like Cyril Port, yep. Xavier Fabre, those were like, um, at the same time, even uh, um, if even before that. But, you know, France and Germany, they were... They were kind of in, in the forefront, and then Italy, of course, uh, Spain with Edgar, of course. Like, uh, it it was it was quite the scene there, and you know Edgar being uh, even at the first competition in Las Vegas. Well, Port didn't he? So all those guys back then raced basically. Like even Edgar was a was you know a racer kid, and uh, they would just have the jump contests at the races, and then that's how he basically got into it so i believe uh cyril didn't he race as well he was fast too wasn't he um i'm not quite sure about that because i i didn't come across his person um at the moment um so i i don't want to make a statement on that right now yeah uh, because i'm not sure 100 percent. but it could be because like 
everyone was was racing back in the day exactly um nobody came out of nothing and and just you know uh hitting ramps or something um they all came out of racing and i even remember uh serial port uh being with the with the crusty guys in in the yeah. in the late 90s uh you know hitting hitting the dunes and it's it's very fascinating to see some of the european people um taking part of the very early stages in the in the the scene yeah they didn't get very much coverage you know like i said most of the people that any of the magazines or anything were covering um you know were the united the american guys i guess one you would we would get snippets from videos or like and most of that was from u.s guys or tours being set up in other countries and then they would be around you know Australians, Europeans, whatever. And that's how we kind of got introduced to them. Like you said, Krusty and a bunch of those uh, movies where they were basically traveling around to different scenes. Hmm. Um, so have you still haven't been to a live event yet? Like Night of the Jumps? Because they have them right there in Germany now. Yeah, I'm going to book a ticket for next year um, awesome. because they are here in Munich uh, where I live in April. Um or March, March or April, somewhere around that. Um, but yeah, I've I've been to to a smaller competition in the in the mid two thousands, I guess. Uh, my dad brought me to to a competition, but it's it, it was it was just a jump show during a supercross uh, you know program. It, it was not a hundred percent freestyle dedicated competition. Right. So I still need to check that from my list. Do you know uh, who was riding that? Excuse me. Do you know who was riding the Supercross that you went to? I'm certainly sure it was Bowersacks, um, because it was in Munich, and okay. I think Bowersacks was there. I think Lucky Weiss was also there, because he was uh, getting getting some some attention around this time. Nice. But it's it's a long time ago, so yeah, I I don't quite remember who who participated. Um, what did you do? What do you do other than this? Uh, like, do you have a background in making books or writing or research? Or how does the other side tie into your interest in freestyle motocross? Well, actually, I'm a um, I'm a studied media designer. So I, I did that um, as, as an apprenticeship, so to say. Like, we, we have that model here in Germany that you can do um, a so-called apprenticeship where you um, work for a company, but you also go to to a special school where you learn the craft around design like two times a week. So I did that. Um, came out as a, as a, you know, uh, as a legit media designer. And uh, currently I'm part-time employed as a UI UX designer, which is... Um, a niche in, in digital design. It's basically around user interfaces. So um, I work for an agency where we create um, and develop online shops. And we, as designers, we basically design the interfaces for the online stores. Got it. But other than that, um, this takes around 30 hours uh, during the week um, as a part-time employment. And apart from that, I do have sort of my own freelance business where I take on various creative projects. So 
this book is just one of those projects that I do on the side. Awesome. Do you have, um, how far would you say you are with the book right now? I, w I would say um, 20% oh, okay. uh, because, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it since January this year and I'm still not done with doing interviews. I'm still not done with doing research and collecting things. Uh, people keep sending me stuff from all around the world. Like I, I spent so much on shipping and uh, and tolls basically um, because I got magazines shipped here. I got uh, mounted slides, you know, pictures, analog photography uh, sent here to my place, um, and all kinds of memorabilia. So I'm basically right now I'm just collecting information wherever I can, connecting with. Every basically everyone who who had a major role in the scene, like in, who played a big role in in shaping and progressing the sport, and I'm using every medium and you know every portal I I come across, you know, from from all the socials to to email to websites to phone numbers, uh, basically trying to reach out to everyone and sort of build a network and a community around this book project so in order to get the attention around this book bigger and and to bring more awareness to how valuable it is to document the history of the sport from all kinds of perspective not only where it began in the states but also where it began in europe and also the story of the australian scene awesome um Okay, so you also have a bunch of like you just said, and we did. I do have the pictures up for people to see. I've been, I uh, was going through them a little bit when you were talking about certain stuff. Um, you do have a lot of interviews. What are you going? Are you going to release the audio interviews ever as well, or what are you going to do with that? Um, I do have the plan to release them um, because I think the stories that the people told me, they are so valuable um, and it would not, um, it, it, I, I could not manage to, to write what they said. Like I can, I can transform some of the stories into words, but I, I also want people to, to be able to listen to, to the stories of the writers, of the photographers and the filmmakers and, and everyone else. So I'm planning on releasing an audio documentary. It's awesome. From outside, it, it's it's very similar to a podcast, but it's structured in a in a more different way. So um, you will be able to hear snippets from from videos, from TV coverage, from from other interviews. So and that combined with the interviews that I took with the people, um, which forms like an audio documentary so to say so you have a lot of video editing as well you gotta do uh actually not because i <laughs> i it, it will audio it will be audio only so oh, okay every interview that i recorded i just uh went for the audio because it was way easier to do um i needed to stay flexible be, because many many of the guys i interviewed like the, the ogs of the game so to say um, they don't want to spend too much time in setting up video and, and setting up backgrounds and, and being dressed properly. So 
I just wanted to make it as easy as possible for them, so uh, we could have a have a very relaxed conversation. And this is why I just uh, went for the audio, and you know, the the podcast will be audio only. Right. Got it. Very cool. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for it to come out. I'm even just excited for uh, all the to to get to see all the pictures that you have. Because, like I said, you have been posting a lot of stuff where I'm like, I never saw that, um, and I'm pretty been pretty deep in this my whole life. So uh, <laughs> to get to see stuff from back in that time period that you haven't seen before is, you know, it's really awesome. Hmm. Absolutely, I think um, this is a thought that came through my mind uh, just the last days because. When you when you have a look at the videos and and all the classics that you can reach, like you can get them with a single mouse click on YouTube, right? Like you can see the the first crusty videos, the terra firma videos, like all the classics are available online. Yeah. But when you have a look at the print section, uh, when you look at you know the 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 hidden gems, so to say, like Wide Open Magazine, MX Machine Magazine, those aren't online anywhere like you you can't find them on on ebay or something like that you you have to reach out to people that have those magazines somewhere stored away in their cellar or in in some random shelf or whatever and it takes a huge amount of time and effort to dig out all those history parts and and you know all those film slides and everything um and this is this is almost like a gold mine there when when it comes to uh telling the the history of the sport and and it's something so unique and, and such a such an interesting path that i'm on right now so i'm very interested in how this is turning out because uh right now i've seen images myself that uh it those images haven't haven't seen the, the light of day before okay. and it's it's a very it's a very interesting task to to collect this stuff, to sort this stuff out, to to uncover some details that have never been told before, and you know, uh, compressed it all together in a beautifully printed coffee table book. Awesome. So is that the only? Uh, that's what it's just going to be a coffee table book. Or are you going to um, release it in other? forms other than just the audio podcast so that's what basically you'll have the audio podcast and the coffee table book exactly okay cool um i was thinking maybe um maybe a digital version would be followed but uh right now i'm just focused on the print version yeah that's i was thinking about asking you some stuff like that and i'm like you're so early in the process that i'm sure you're basically just still focused on like gathering everything and figuring out how to structure it so that it's cohesive because there are a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of information that you're getting so i'm sure that just trying to you know what i mean put everything together in a format where it all makes sense together is probably just a little bit overwhelming in itself absolutely but one thing that that really helps me with this process is that i have very very clear vision of the final product so in in my in my head the final book is already 
lying on my table. So I, I, know, I know the chapters, I know which stories to tell, I know how to place the pictures, um, how to portray them, uh, how to build the storyline. And all I got to do is basically put it in practice. And, and this makes everything much more easier. So it is a lot of information. Like I, I built uh, a personal database with, uh, with an app called Notion. It's, it's a, it's a note-taking app, mm -hmm. but you can also build databases with it. Um, and I created this database of a, a, a register of people that I need to reach out with, uh, with a status, like contacted, um, awesome. uh, you know, story done, um, interview planned, like some, some sort of overview so I can, I can see what I have to do next. And it's around like 400 people from all kinds of parts of the world and, and all kinds of professions, like mechanics, builders, photographers, writers, all, all sorted in, into categories. And next to that, we have all the events, all the videos that came out, all the uh, video games. Uh, so everything is structured and everything will be collected there. And the writing is the next step is to compress all this into one single storyline. And for sure, the material I get right now it, it would be enough to to make you know ten books of the sport yeah. uh, from all kinds of perspectives, but for for the first one, um, you know, the coffee table book that will bring the the bird's eye view of the history of the sport, um, it's it's more than enough right now, and I'm still at the tip of the iceberg, so to say. Well, it sounds like you do not have ADD. And that you're very focused and have a clear endpoint that you're going to. I'm like doing something, like getting ready for the show, and then I'm like a squirrel, and I do something else. I'm like, what was I doing originally? <laughs> so it's good there's someone out there like you that's like, I'm gonna sit down and take the task of basically organizing all this and putting it out. Because even just even you being like, we have all the videos and all the video games that came out logged and the magazines. I want to see that list already because it would just be interesting to see even time, um, you know, like what games came, like when you brought that video game up. Uh, I do remember now that you said about the video parts in the beginning, I do really remember liking that and that's the only video like that. There's no other video game that when it opens up, there's so much freestyle motor, like video footage in the intro of it. And I want to say mm. that it was, the footage was from, um, there was one with Carmichael, uh, Wrathchild. I think mm -hmm. that that footage is from Wrathchild, if I remember correctly. Um, but I, I might be wrong. And again, I haven't, I didn't even remember that until you just brought it up. But my point is just even a list of timeline of when certain things come out. Cause I remember the videos, but it's like, do I remember exactly when they came out? And there's, I'm sure there's a lot of things that would surprise you. Like probably how early Moto triple X came out. Moto triple X was like basically right after Krusty. Mm hmm. Um, and then Terra Firma was even super early. So I think for people like FMX nerds like me, that's just basically followed it from the inception. 
Um, just even simple stuff like that would be really cool to be able to look back on. Because you're basically taking a lot of people's, you know, if you're really big into FMX or were that whole time, that's basically our childhood, which I was a little bit older, so not necessarily mine. But um, that's a lot of people's childhood, and that's how they remember growing up. That's the thing that they were big into. You know, I was obviously a motocross kid, so 90s motocross is basically me. As a kid, I remember every single thing that happened in Supercross and motocross through the whole 90s. I had them all on VHS. So I think you're definitely hitting a, a good market, like a good niche market that nobody's taken the time to do what you're doing. It's so surprising to me because it sounds funny, but when you look at which books about freestyle motocross are available online or generally on sale, you just have a handful of those. Like you have two photo books, which are basically trictionaries from Garth Milan. He He released two books in around 2000 um, with a little bit of story part, but it's more like explaining tricks. Yeah. Um, then you have the FMX Bible from uh, Justin Mize that I found on, on Amazon one day. I you know, instantly bought it because I was so curious about it. Um, then you have the FMX Bible from Masters of Dirt, uh, which is also kind of a coverage from the top writers, but it doesn't really tell the whole history, like the beginnings and especially Europe and, and Australia get left out. So it's very much about the, the American top stars of, of the sport. Um, and then you have from Australia, from Freerider MX, uh, also the Trictionaries, the yearbooks, but it's very photo dependent. Like um, it, it also doesn't really tell the history. And if you look at the, if you if you give Google a search for for books about freestyle motocross, like ninety percent of the books available are children's books, like mm. coloring books I, or I, something. Yeah, I never I never understood that. Those are all books for children with a maximum of thirty two pages, in a very very simple language, so kids can understand them. Right. So they they explain uh, the basic tricks. Um, they explain the most. Uh, um, famous writers, but nothing about the history. And this is where I was like, okay, uh, why, is, why is nobody doing a book about this? And it was until the point when I saw the documentary from Paul Taubley and John Freeman, uh, Unchained, yeah. uh, the untold history of freestyle motocross. I, I remember watching that and, and being super fascinated by it. I, I really loved the documentary. Um, but I still couldn't wrap my head around the fact that the European scene and the Australian scene got left out. So there's even was... way more people in the United States that never get talked about. They literally just address the top like 10 people, yeah. maybe. I heard that before, like during interviews, like many people said, yeah, I mean, the documentary was very good, but it didn't tell the, the entire history. And to, to a certain extent, I do understand that, but I also keep in mind that Paul and John, you, you have to follow a storyline, you know, like, um, and, and you have to compress so much information into a movie that's maybe an hour or, or maximum two hours long. So you can't put in every single detail. Right. So you kind of have to deal with that. 
Well, that's um, so, and they they did what you what you would expect somebody to do in that position, and that's take the top people where at least when you put it in a movie, everybody's going to know who they are. Versus exactly. a lot of the names that we're talking about right now, like I said, unless you are knees deep in freestyle motocross, you're going to have zero idea who we're talking about. So it is if if you want it to play to a big audience like that movie was for. Um, and I'm sure that it helped the sport as well. And that may have gotten attention from some people that weren't even into it. But you're not going to go down that far down the list, you know, of guys because you, you're getting into guys that nobody's going to, you know, for the most part, recall. Yep. Although I still believe that Brian Manley should have been mentioned at least because he sure. played such a big part uh, in, in, in building the early jumps and made so much possible. Um, but yeah, that, that documentary basically got me thinking, uh, why is nobody talking about the European and the Australian scene? And this is where my head started working and it all came down to, to the decision to, to create this book and start basically from reaching out to, to a handful of writers and, and just see how far I can go with that. And it's going insanely well. Because everybody wants to get these stories out before it's, it's too late for us. And, you know, nobody, like you said, even the fact that, so I was doing this podcast and it was slowly building and I stopped doing it for, you know, a, a multitude of reasons. And then, like, I've still been waiting for somebody else to really pick up the ball and run with it. And then I started working with Steve and we do stuff together a lot. And I'm like, we're the only two people doing any of this, you know? So it made me really want to be like, okay, I'm going to take it serious again and uh, buckle down and just make it happen, you know, uh, just consistently and try to do the same thing, reach out and get cool guests and cool stories and just put that stuff out there. But yeah, it is a really underserved market, I would say. Absolutely. And when when you create such a huge project, you always have to ask yourself like what's the what's the goal of that? If I if I get to a point maybe I'm fortunate enough at some point to to be able to present this project to to somebody who wants to sponsor it or I mean at least I have to present it to to the people from the crowdfunding campaign because this book will need a crowdfunding campaign in order to get funded because otherwise I couldn't afford the, the production and, and the licensing, of course. Like um, mm, right now I have photos. 37 photographers from all around the world uh, involved in this and they want to get paid, of course. Right. So um, th this is going to, to be interesting, but you always have to like ask yourself like what's, what's the main value of this like why should why why should people in the digital era buy this book and and have it on their table and my conclusion is that nostalgia and the emotions and and the, the memories of the childhood those are the driving factor of that because i rem uh, i remember from myself when i when i got my hands on the on the german moto x magazines after years not reading them and I looked through the pages and I instantly remembered myself as a kid sitting on the kitchen table drawing Travis Pastrana from the X Games on paper. Um, and and those, are, those are memories that, that 
bring that, that come back to life when you hear a sound, when you look at a picture, um, when you when you see which people were there. So it unfolds so many great memories, um, and and this is basically the main goal. It's it's the emotion and the memories of the past. I mean, we all know that we have to look forward. You know, like we, it it doesn't serve much if you get stuck in the past and always live in the past. It's it's not good um, if you do it all the time. But um, sometimes when you remember where you came from, especially the the writers, uh, when they have a quiet minute and they think about like, wow, wh where did did it all start? Like, who who made it possible that I could get wh where I'm now? And they look at the book, they look through the pictures, and they they remember so many details, and they they feel grateful, they feel, um, you know, thankful and happy about all the people that paved the way for it and that supported them, and this is what I want to be able to do with the book, basically. Awesome. Well, like I said, you know, it's a very niche group, and if you grew up. You know, we're a teenager in the 2000s, um, late 90s, 2000s. This was a lot of our, you know, their childhood. So I think that that's, you're hitting the nail on the head. I also think that so much stuff is jammed into our computers and it's not the same as like just having a magazine there that you can just, somebody walks in and sits down and starts flipping through. You know, it's a different thing. So um, I think it's a great idea. I'm excited about it. I need to get one once it comes out, and uh, yeah, that's it. We'll get you back on when it uh, is when you're getting it out, and you we can start to actually tell people where it's available, stuff like that. We'll get you back on again, and we can go over everything, and then make sure that we uh, post a link, and you know, because that's basically your target audience is the however many people that watch this thing. So <laughs> it's it's going to take some time. Uh, be, because you know this is a one-man show, and uh, from from doing the research, from finding finding the people's names and and uh, reaching out to them and finding time for the interviews, until the writing process and the designing, uh, it's all by myself. So it it's going to take a while, uh, but until then, I will keep posting stuff. I will keep uh, you know bringing up certain memories from from all the continents where. Where freestyle, uh, you know, has its roots, and uh, you know, my goal is next uh, next year to to release the audio documentary uh, episode oh, cool. by episode, and yeah, I, I will be happy to do that. Yeah. So once you, even you start doing that, let me know, and then we'll pump that, and then hopefully, uh, you know, that can get everybody excited for the uh, you know book itself to come out. Absolutely maybe one final message for me that I want to, to place as we're speaking right now. Um, because I, I mentioned the goal of the book being uh, the emotions and the memories uh, bringing up, but, but one other driving factor is to put people in the spotlight who did so much for the sport but didn't get recognized properly throughout the years. Um, there are so many photographers um, that basically co-invented, co-founded the sport, paved the way for so many pro riders, um, and then got lost along the way somewhere. And people just didn't credit them anymore. 
Um, I, I spontaneously I think about like Nick Ciotti, uh, you know, the yeah. legendary photographer who who basically shot everything, every contest, uh, every cover, every uh, like even from the video games, the covers, and, yeah. and like whatever you think of, he he shot it. Um, Bender, who I was talking uh, just this morning. Uh, I had an I had a very great interview with him. He and Ciotti, uh, they they formed the magazine MX Machine, which which was legendary and and so far ahead of its time. And then from from Europe as well, like there are photographers like uh, Maximilian Ludwig. He's he's uh, he's maybe some sort of an underground photographer. Nobody else in the world knows him, but the images he took uh, from people like Degen Metzger. Uh, and all the other pro riders, they are so distinct and unique, and they tell a whole different story. Um, or think about the, one of the, basically the only female photographer, Sandra Sti. Uh, I, I definitely want to mention her because she is the only female photographer in the sport who was able to get close with Carrie Hart, Colin Morrison, uh, Robbie Madison. You know. Travis Pastrana when they were all young kids, so those are people who really need to, need to be credited more and to be put in the spotlight more to to you know uh, give them you know the platform they they deserve. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure they appreciate that. And again, I like even that highlighting. Like you said about their photos, I'm sure that if you showed me photos, some of the photos, I would be like, I remember that from all those guys, you know, whether I remember the name or not, 100% you'd be show me photos and I'd be like, oh, I remember seeing that somewhere. And uh, like you said, that's really cool to then just at least give them their nod and be like, hey, all these great photos that you grew up on were basically shot by all these people and here's their little piece of the freestyle motocross story absolutely awesome well we'll wrap it up and uh thank you for coming on and uh not just from me but from freestyle motocross in general thank you for taking an interest and really trying to um you know just culminate all this information together and give us something that we can uh you know, have on our coffee table or less desirable in our bathroom, but it'll end up somewhere. <laughs> thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thank you very much for, for giving me your platform here. It means so much, like basically anything that could bring attention to the history and, and of course to the project as well. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Well, that's the, the game we're in right now, keeping FMX alive and on the internet. So uh, I'm in it with you. So, <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, just keep us updated. We'll share the stuff out as well. So and everybody else, thank you guys for watching. And uh, follow, where do you want everybody to go to follow you or the book? Mainly Instagram, the book of FMX, easily findable. All right, there Just you go. Like go to Instagram, the book of the book of FMX, or just book yep. of FMX. The book of FMX. All right, the book of FMX on Instagram. Go and follow. And like I said, tons of really cool photos that you probably haven't seen 
coming out on there. So it's definitely worth a follow. Later. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.